You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Well, we'll admit it. We said the season was over for the Cowboys when Dak Prescott got hurt. We declared them dead. D-O-A. And here we are. Cooper Rush to the <laughs> rescue. Meanwhile, the Giants, who we said were going to be a terrible team and not win any games, had a moment, a brief moment of happiness before it was all dashed by yet another terrible injury. So here we are, week three, with probably more questions than answers again as the NFL continues to confuse us. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We have some wild DeAndre Ayton sound to get to later as we try to talk about all these NBA teams coming back to the season after horrific off-season drama. But we got to start with last night's football game, and not just Tracy Morgan saying that uh, Tony Dorsett's his dad, but more importantly, the Cowboys 2-0 and with Cooper Rush, 3-0 and when he's a starter, and they beat the Giants 23-16 on Monday Night Football. That game was kind of back and forth. You couldn't tell who had the real momentum. And then all of a sudden down the stretch, C.D. Lamb was making catches that he couldn't make earlier in the game, and Cooper Rush was throwing strikes. Yeah, uh, Michael Irvin this morning said, you know, he made some weird comparison of Cooper Rush to Tom Brady, like how they, you know, <laughs> you found your Tom Brady on the bench. I don't know. I'm going to go that far. <laughs> but you're right. CeeDee Lamb, absolutely incredible catch near the end of the game, which sort of made up for was like the redemption catch because he had one that he regretted early in the game. And, you know, frankly, there are so many different layers for the Giants where I think Daniel Jones played a, a nice game. He was pressured 24 times on his 30 dropbacks, and he was absolutely running for his life, it felt like, the whole time, and still played well enough to have them in this game. But maybe one of the most damning outcomes isn't just the loss. It's the fact that, as you heard on SportsCenter on the update, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver, has torn his ACL. And this is just, it's an awful, uh, you know, nobody touched him. Non-contact injury, jogging uh, at the end of a route, and all of a sudden he just goes down. It's sort of a worst-case scenario for the team to not only lose, but when you're getting basically no production from your wide receivers and one of your guys goes down that that's just an extra gut punch i like how you went with michael irvin comparing him to tom brady instead of the finger licking pass rush or the mighty men of valor i mean there were a lot of bites from there you could have chosen from i i felt like i needed to party on sunday night with irvin because it was he was still on one monday he was, he was, he was going too they needed was... to towel him down after that rant he was fired up which i guess it makes sense when you're showing up to set with Stephen a who is just hoping for the Cowboys to fail, who has called them dead, and then on set you arrive with Cooper Rush to hype up. Um, (laughs) Every time you say it, I just sort of laugh. Yeah, it is funny, but it's kind of mean because he's doing quite well. And as you talked about, um, that that performance on both sides, first of all, Rush threw it 31 times. They ran it 30. Rush was 21 of 31 for 215 yards and a touchdown. And in the moments that he needed to, he stepped up and he was throwing really good balls to his guys, including, like you mentioned, Lamb, who redeems himself. But it did look across the way at Daniel Jones as a guy who we still can't make up our mind about because he hasn't been put in a position to succeed. And this was the year we saw with Saquon starting to step up with some guys getting healthy. Maybe we'll actually get a look and they'll have a decision that they can make about him moving forward. But pressured more than anyone in the history of like them tracking the stat. How is he supposed to really show them what he can do? I mean, the fact that he isn't already seeing ghosts in the way we've seen other quarterbacks affected by that is pretty impressive. There are two quarterbacks living two very different lives in the same division right now. 
Cooper Rush is over here with no support, hanging on, or Cooper Rush, sorry, Daniel Jones over here, uh, hanging on for dear life the entire way. And you look at Jalen Hurts, the MVP candidate, where the Eagles got it right. The Eagles got the right mm-hmm. weapons around him. The Eagles uh, managed to, they managed to stock the cupboard to figure out if their guy can cook. The Giants still haven't done that. So you've got Daniel Jones running around. We don't have a damn clue if he's really – can he be elite? Maybe. Can he not be elite? Maybe. Can he be good enough that it's better than spending yet another top draft pick on a quarterback and starting over? Yeah. I mean, that's the the, the funniest part because everybody says, well, get rid of the bomb. And it's like, okay, cool. How how often is that working? Like, how many times do we really find somebody – like, we don't know if Trey Lance is the answer. We don't know yet. No offense. If Justin Fields is the answer – you know, we don't know if Mac Jones is the answer. Every time somebody says, we're going to go in the draft and we're going to get a quarterback, and it's like, oh, okay, you realize that doesn't work more often than it does. Yeah, yeah, and especially with that particular team. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a it's been a revolving door. Um, and I, I think we've seen enough to know he's not going to be the next great big thing, but I don't know yet if the decision around him um, should be to move on. Um, and I think that especially with the new coaching staff and the new – front office, they're not tied to him in any way. He's not their guy. And that could end up being the ultimate decider. There's two different ways to take the whole day bowl thing because part of what Buffalo did that I think we just need to continually walk back and say, hey, this was great. Buffalo didn't listen to any of us. Like I remember as great as Lewis Riddick is, uh, I remember sitting with Lewis Riddick after Daniel Jones' first year and watching Lewis put together a bunch of tape, uh, or sorry, after Josh Allen's first year, putting together a bunch of tape on Josh Allen, and he kept saying, look, he's not accurate. And once you're not accurate, you don't fix that. That was a real mindset for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the Bills said, I don't care. And Dayball went in and and slowly and intentionally developed a quarterback. That's easier to do when it's a rookie and you have their rookie deal to do it on. You you don't really have the time to do that with Daniel Jones. So I'm genuinely curious, does a patient Dayball remain patient with somebody that could possibly benefit, or does he just come in and say, nah, screw it, uh, we're just going to find somebody else and restart this whole thing? You know what, I'm going to say, nah, screw it about this conversation because Aaron Judge is coming up to bat. Oh. And once again, good evening, everyone. Let's see if it happens tonight. As Aaron Judge gets in the batter's box, I think the key thing is to win the division and then everyone can take a deep breath and then judge can hit his home runs and yada yada <laughs> so here is judge three infielders on the left side against Jose Barrios and the right-hander deals foul back judge leading the American League at 314 he has a one-point lead over Luis Arise of Minnesota and Xander Bogarts of Boston Obviously, they're at 313. Judge 60 homers, 128 RBIs, and the pitch is low. And he and Rizzo have good numbers off Barrios. Judge 6 for 18 with a home run. Whatever that means. It was all in the past, of course. Pitch. There's a breaking ball strike, one and two. First pitch was 96 mile an hour. Remember, the speed is great for pitching, but not for driving. Vision Zero Initiative reminds you that speeding ruins lives, so slow down. And here comes the one, two. Another breaking ball low, two and two. Barrios has a good record. He's 11 and six. He has a terrible ERA, 5.27. We'll give you his numbers as we go. Like Garrett Cole, he gives up a lot of home runs. 
Garrett's given up 31. He's given up 29. Now the pitch to judge is a breaking ball low. So the count three and two. And he's he's sort of throwing a lot of curveballs here, a lot of breaking pitches. As there are cameras just set up everywhere for this. The payoff. Hit hard and grabbed it third. A line drive right on the nose. And Matt Chapman was right there. He can't do anything about it. You only can hit it. That was the WFAN Yankees radio network. You know, that episode of Seinfeld was just on last night, the yada yada. You can't yada yada the best part. Can you yada yada sex? <laughs> it was just on last night. I don't know if you remember. He said, eh, then we'll win the division and we'll hit the home run and uh, yada yada. Uh, we're going to get back to ca- talking football. We're also going to get back to talking um, about that uh, Sterling Shepard injury because the details around what he fought through to get back out on the field and then to have that happen has people talking about that stadium surface again. And it's something worth talking about as it seems to be supplanting Soldier Field as the most mocked stadium in all of football. Um, and that's really saying something. Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Back to NFL in a bit, but coming up, the sound we got from one particular NBA training camp today, you have to hear it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We'll keep you caught up on Judge Watch, and we will cut away next time. He's up at bat again, uh, but we got to start talking NBA. I can't believe the season is almost here. It feels like it just absolutely flew by this offseason, in part because there was as much news and as many things to dissect in the offseason as there were when they were playing games. And <laughs> now all of it's coming to a head as players and coaches are returning for media days that have been tremendously awkward. Uh, very few teams are coming back uh, just feeling fresh and ready to go. Uh, and one of the teams dealing with the most is the Suns. Obviously, Robert Sarver and the sale of the team, a big topic of conversation. But I had almost forgotten about how things ended with the Suns and DeAndre Ayton until I heard him speak for the first time after returning to camp. Here's what it sounded like. How have you and Monty kind of been able to move I haven't on? spoken on it. No, I haven't spoken on it all. Ever since the game. So not even trying to know. Open that change. I'm here. You happy to be here? Yeah, I'm alright. When I'm in between those lines now, I just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest and the name of my back I have to represent. I'm just here to work. If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? Huh? If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. Okay. Does that sound like a guy who signed a four-year, $133 million deal? I am shooketh by so much in there. Number one, for him to acknowledge that he hasn't even spoken to Monty Williams through the process of since the last game. Through the process of the offseason, not even to talk about, like, hey, what's been going on in life? Like, how's your conditioning? None of that. Hey, what's the contract situation? None of that. Hasn't had any conversation with this head coach. That's wild to me. And then to come in and basically say, well, I'm going to let my play do the talking at this point. 
it sounds like he feels disrespected, and it's where we have to remember that the Suns didn't give him a glorious offer. They matched a glorious mm-hmm. offer. They made him go out and test the market, and then they decided, yeah, I guess we're going to have to give him that. I guess that's what you're worth. And that does not feel like it's being well-received. And when your star player or one of your star players that you're paying that much money to is that mad before we've even started the first practice, that to me is a lingering – you don't want that – in your locker room, like every time Monty Williams says something he doesn't like, you think he's going to hold back? I don't think you want that in your locker room. Here's the thing. If you've got someone on a final year of their deal, like let's say a Lamar Jackson, or you've got someone who's been franchise tagged, but you're working to come to terms on a long-term big deal, and this is the attitude, it's troubling, but the assumption is it will be solved either by them moving on or by getting a deal done. He got the deal. It wasn't how he wanted it. I understand his frustration. But now they've got four years and $133 million sunk into a guy who hasn't spoken to the coach, who's angry about being benched late in the season by the treatment in the offseason, and they've got this on top of everything that's going on with Robert Sarver. The other interesting sound to me, let's just throw this into the mix while we're discussing all of this, is... Chris Paul saying exactly what I'd expect about Robert Sarver. You know, my feelings go out to everybody who was affected by the situation. My feelings go out to all the people who had to deal with the issues that he presented. That's expected. Devin Booker said this. You know, it's tough for me because, you know, that's not the the Robert Sarver that I know. Um, It's not the Robert Sarver that welcomed me to Phoenix with open arms. Um, But at the same time, I'm not you know, insensitive to everybody that's involved in the situation, you know, and I understand everybody's personal experience with other people are, are always going to be different. Um, but it's tough to read because that's not the person I know. He handled it well. We've all probably been in a situation like that where someone that we always thought was a great person did something terrible, said something bad, and, and we're, oh, that's not, that's not who I knew. But that is an interesting dynamic here as well. It's not a whole bunch of players that are necessarily all on board and – happy to see him go yeah that that's so weird and you're right i think so often we have to remember that th- these are human relationships and human relationships have strange layers i've certainly got friends in my life that you find things out later and you look at it and you say no nah, i can't can't be no way and then you find out the real details and you look at it and say my god did i like you start looking at yourself did i not do enough did i not look uh, hard enough did I blind eye all of this? Right, for them right. because I like them as a person. All of these different things that you have to learn to navigate. And you're when you hear him talk about it from that real human element, you have to remind yourself that for Devin Booker, obviously, this isn't an easy situation of, of compromising the fact that you took a lot of money from somebody that is not the person you thought they were like that. All of this is just a curious layer that you add on top of everything else in a long basketball season I, I really feel for the guys in trying to keep some level of focus on the actual product on the court. Yeah. It's a question we'll ask you all at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Let us know what will be more of an impediment to the Suns' success this year. Will it be the Robert Sarver and the sale of the team situation, or will it be 
a potentially very disgruntled DeAndre Ayton, who is at the beginning of a four-year, $133 million deal. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. That's not the only team dealing with all sorts of drama. We'll get to the Celtics and continue to hear from those players as they react to the Ime Odoka situation. I imagine, Fitz, there will be more reaction as more news comes out. That's not going away anytime soon. We also have a Nets team that had its superstar try to get traded away, didn't Mm. work, and its other superstar who wanted to stay but was going to get traded if the other one left and is also there and is telling everyone he gave up massive big dollar deals because of his beliefs in staying unvaccinated. Uh, So here's Kevin Durant, who I may be projecting onto, but to me, this feels like he's saying there's no reason for the Nets fans to not believe in me now, the other guy, Kyrie, maybe him, but not me. The Nets fans should know me after three years and the work I put in. Like, we've been through a lot as a team, and I still go out there and do my job. So I don't feel like I got to prove anything to Nets fans after three years. And I'm committed to moving forward with this team. So if they got doubts, then I can't control that. That's on you. But you seeing me, you know what I do. You know how much I care about playing, and you know how much I care about my teammates and this organization by what I've shown these last three years. So... You know, I just keep being me every day. And then some people going to like it. Some people not going to like it, but they may come around to it. I mean, it is what it is. Okay. I mean, most of what he said is true. I don't have any doubts in him wanting to win, showing up every day, playing hard. But you did try to leave. So I, I'll throw my buddy TJ under the uh, under the bus here. He's not listening. He never hates <laughs> sports. But we're still close <laughs> friends. TJ, every time he had this one relationship, right, and every time – uh, he and his partner would break up. He would come just like sit at the house and just cry and cry and cry. And you spend that whole time being like, you know what? Yeah, you 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 deserve better. You're This is all going to work. You sit there and you trash the partner over and over and over again. And then one day you realize that all they ever do is get back together. And then you have this weird moment where you have to like pretend you didn't trash the partner. Like that's what Nets fans are going through right now. Like there was this period where it, he doesn't want to be here. We don't want him here. We're going to be fine. And now everybody's got to find a weird way to sit together at the party <laughs> and realize. Both of them. Uh, yeah. Every, both sides. Both of both them. Sides? Yeah. Because they were convinced that if KD was gone, Kyrie was gone. And so they talked themselves into not that it took that much by that point not wanting him around either by the way i have a friend like that she married the guy Mm. awkward for me (laughs) tune into an nl central battle tomorrow night as the brewers host the cardinals coverage begins at 7 p.m eastern on espn radio and the espn app we'll get more basketball coming up next espn front office insider bobby mark's going to join us to talk to us about all the drama and which teams are set up for actual success this year it's coming up next spain and fits the podcast Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can also hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Get in on the fun. In the meantime, uh, don't forget, whatever happens, we will get you caught up on it when it comes to the Yankees. When Aaron Judge goes to the plate, you will hear all of the excitement right here on ESPN Radio. So don't you don't need to go anywhere, baseball fans. We got you covered. I mentioned the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Don't forget, be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, let's get all the thoughts on what to expect from ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks joining us on the show. Bobby, uh, a heady question for you to start with here because you always hear about like shutting off the outside noise. When you're an organization like the Suns or the Celtics going through what they're going through right now, 
Can you even actually accomplish that? I don't think you can. You know, I'm I'm watching Media Day on on Monday, and usually that's like the first day of school, right? Everybody's happy to go back to school, and I'm watching Brooklyn, and I'm watching Boston, and certainly watching Phoenix, and it it there weren't there weren't very many happy faces <laughs> there, and I think certainly we know about Brooklyn and and Phoenix, what's gone on there in Boston in the last week here, and I think that's going to be the challenge for you know Steve Nash in Brooklyn and. Monty Williams in Phoenix and interim coach Joe Mazzula in, in Boston is just to kind of control everything within that, you know, within the, the walls of the organization and try to block out that, uh, that outside uh, noise because the outside noise could, you know, derail Boston going to win, you know, trying to win a championship or where Brooklyn is or Phoenix is trying to do. So that's, uh, you know, that's going to be the ultimate challenge of those three organizations. I think Jamel Hill had it best. She had a video of DeAndre Ayton trying to really not answer any questions. And his is especially an uh, interesting situation. And she wrote, if I just work here was a person, uh, which I think checks out. Um, so let's get to the Nets in a moment. Let's just go with the Celtics yeah. and the Suns for right now. You having worked in an organization, how on a day-to-day basis, we completely understand what it is to have your coach be gone and have someone have to step up. What about an owner? What it, what does it really mean to have a team in flux and the ownership at, at, um, going to be for sale? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, for you know, for for Phoenix's sake. Um, well, I mean, let's start with Boston. I think Boston is you know, I think you have a, a more of a presence of your front office, and when it comes to practices, I think you have more of a presence with, with Brad Stevens. I think you're constantly kind of you know, getting daily checkups on whether it be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart, I think for, for an owner, from an ownership standpoint with, with Grossback in Boston, I think your, your presence is there, right? I think it's, it would have been, you know, Hey, nothing happened in Boston. Ime is the head coach. Um, you know, he can, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, it's business as usual. You kind of know what, where you are. And I think, I think in Phoenix, you know, with the Sarver situation, I think you're fortunate that you do have, um, you do have Monty Williams. You do have James Jones as two of kind of as, uh, from a leader standpoint. But I'm watching. You're right. I'm watching the Aiton video, and I think there's still um, some hard feelings as far as how that season ended, despite him getting, you know, 100 and 130 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, Bobby, you mentioned hard feelings. Uh, at this point, Steve Nash, the Nets head coach, says there are none. That he's fine and everything's good with KD. Uh, you buying it? And how does that conversation actually go down? I think you're buying it for right now. I mean, we're still we're into day, we're at day one. Um, we, there's been no games played. I'm interested when he, we get into the regular season and this team, if this team gets on a little bit of a losing streak and there's some adversity here. Um, I mean, we all saw the Durant press conference where basically he said like the trade demands came from last year, looking at the roster and thinking they should have been performing better when he wasn't on the court. Um, so I think for right now, I think there, there certainly has got to be a little bit of a clearing of the air. Well, uh, you know, it's, you know, with Steve and with, uh, with, with Kevin, um, and I, you know, I kind of, I guess we're just in a, in a wait and see approach when we get into the regular season. And if there is some adversity that hits. Bobby Marks is with us. You can follow him at Bobby Marks 42. Let's talk about the Lakers. When even Bill Plaschke, the homer of all homers on Around the Horn, says the expectations aren't super good for this Lakers team, uh, that means it's going to be a rough year. They've got 11 players on expiring contrast. Plaschke asked 
uh, straight to to Westbrook's face. Do you think the team wants you here? It doesn't sound like it. I mean, it's awkward. It's really awkward. And to have LeBron in his later years potentially wasting a year in L.A., I mean, what do you even expect from this Lakers squad? I think you're probably looking at the one of the final two teams in the plane. I think that's kind of oh. – that's how I look at this Lakers squad. I mean, they're probably, I think I have Portland at 10 and I have the Lakers at nine. Mm. And when you look at the, how much the Clippers have gotten better and, the, you know, every, every team that in front of them has gotten better with the Clippers getting healthy, with Denver getting healthy, with New Orleans um, getting Zion back if he stays healthy. I mean, we can go down Minnesota getting, um, getting Gobert. Um, it's a hard, there's a hard case to be made for them to be in the top five or the top six. And I know Anthony Davis said he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder and he's going to be, you know, try to play 75 games here. And until it happens, you know, that's kind of, that's where I see this Lakers roster. You're right. I mean, they've got, you know, 10 or 11 players on these expiring contracts. Everybody's kind of playing for that contract and, and Westbrook and Beverly can say they're best friends right now, but when one's only playing 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and the other's playing 35 minutes, I think you will get up to a point where, you know, guys will have to separate their feelings to what's best for the team. So give me then the reasonable take on this. I'm not asking for the hot take, but a bubble championship and now basically on the fringe of the playoffs every single year. How should we assess LeBron's time with the Lakers? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, he did deliver a championship. And I know it was in a bubble and I know it was Orlando and there was different there's different circumstances here, but you know, you could put that into one, I guess, into one, uh, you know, element of things. But the other, uh, the other part of it, the the non bubble championship is what first round loss, lottery, first round loss, and I just don't see how this is going to get better here. And I think if the tra- if the Westbrook trade never happened, I think this team is probably competing for, you know, probably competing for a championship. I think they're in the mix last year. I think most of the parts are still there here. So one trade has basically kind of derailed what this team has tried to do. But, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere he's gone, he's won, right? Everywhere he's gone. But this is probably the only place where you it's a first-round exit and it's a team that's just fighting to get into the playoffs. If, if you say one trade is the reason they're not fighting for a championship, who's to blame for that one trade? Well, I think it's everyone. I think it certainly starts in the, with the front office with Rob Palinka, who made the trade. I think you certainly, when you're making a trade of that magnitude, you do need the blessings of your main players, which is, you know, um, LeBron and, and Anthony Davis here. And certainly ownership signed off on it also. So I think there's blame to go everywhere. All right. Last question for you, Bobby, as we get ready for this NBA season, our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks with us. Is there a team, you just said you went through each team and you're figuring out who's getting better, who's getting worse, who's likely to make the playoffs. Is there a team that we're not talking about enough that you think is going to make a good leap this year? Well, I mean, I know everyone's been talking about the, the Clippers. I just, I just think they are the best team in, 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 you know, in, in a league right now, just based on their depth. And I think that the, we talk about Kawhi, we talk about Paul George and you know, some of the other faces. I think the most important person in the organization is going to be Ty Lue. And not based on his, you know, he's a heck of a coach here, but just based on how much he is going to have to manage. You know, they've got 13 guys who all who they all think they're going to be starters, including Reggie Jackson and John Wall, who are going to be fighting for the starting point guard position. So if he's able to do it, he's going to win coach of the year this year. 
and I think I think he's this Clipper this Clipper team has a strong chance, and I know Golden State's going to be there has a strong chance to get out of um, get out of the uh, you know out of the Western Conference, and I think we could look at like a Clipper Philly. How about a F- Clipper Philly? NBA Finals, that would be something. Oh, look at that. Bobby coming in. Holding, not holding anything back on these predictions. Follow him on Twitter, at BobbyMarks42. Bobby, as always, my friend, we appreciate your time, your insight, and your brilliance. Stay safe, and thanks for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I don't know, sir. What I do you mean, think? Now that he's gone, I do appreciate his insight and his brilliance, but even if the Clippers are going to be better, believe in the Clippers? <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I wow. every year, every year I say, "All right, this year, this is it. Look at the talent, look at the skill, look at and then every year they get me." Look, if Clippers depth, if that statement was a drinking game, I'd be in rehab. <laughs> that's all we every year it's like, "Oh, they're so deep." So, mm-hmm. you know, that's great. I'm not taking the I'm not taking the bait this don't year. Do it. By the way, he didn't mention Memphis, so I don't know why he hates Grizzlies. So, I just I'm just adding that to your menchies, Bobby. Love you. Appreciate you. Uh, all right. We've got plenty to get to from the NFL. They need to ban turf fields. Do they? Probably. We'll tell you why next. Plus, <laughs> some of the hottest takes you didn't know you needed. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. We're going to get you straight to WFAN. Aaron Judge is at the plate. Get back to concentrating on the team. Mom Patty is here sitting next to Roger Maris Jr. Pitch is a strike on the outside corner, breaking ball. And the count two and two. Well, if I was judge, boy, I would want so much not to be bothered by all these questions that would drive right. me nuts. And also the feeling that if you don't hit a home run, it's a failure. Right, it's so it's- silly. The two two is low, three and two. That'll be a payoff pitch. Higashioka does not run well, so I wouldn't expect him to be running. Now, the right-hander ready. Here's the payoff. And it's low ball four through breaking ball. So, Judge walks. WFAN Yankees Radio Network on the call. Aaron Judge walks, but like I told you, every time he's at the plate, if we can, we'll get you out there so you catch every second of it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, look, Yankees fans are are having uh, the suspenseful moment every time Aaron Judge is at bat of getting to see greatness. Giants fans last night had the suspenseful moment of watching one of their star players go down for – no reason. I mean, the, the, it's always frustrating. Injuries are part of the game. I understand it. But when you are Sterling Shepard and you're a wide receiver that has gone through so much to get yourself back on the field, Sarah, and you're just walking, jogging on the on the field, and all of a sudden something happens and you blow out your ACL, that is a worst-case scenario for the human being, for the team, for the fans, for everybody involved. And it raises real questions about whether that field at MetLife, which has had its share of rash of injuries, is safe for players. Yeah, when they cut to him, all of a sudden he's down. We were like, wait, was was he involved in the play? What just happened? What's going on? And after all of the injuries that he suffered last year and his fight to come back, it's just heartbreaking for him to be out again. Our uh, One of our guys here, uh, Mike, found a story from 2020 about MetLife Stadium turf and why everybody always gets injured there and included teams just electing to sit players 
for fear that they might get hurt there. Um, back in 2020, week two, um, 49ers injuries. And then when they played the Jets again, when they played the Giants in week three, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Tevin Coleman, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon, George Kittle was held out because they were worried about it. So when that's an issue this many times, you know, they're not setting them up for success. Yeah, it, it hurts the team. It hurts the player. It hurts fans. It also hurts everybody in free agency because players know this too. So it makes you a little less likely to get the guy that you want to get. In the meantime, what we always want to get are some good takes, some hot takes. All of the takes are still coming hot and heavy. So it's time to break them down. Boom! Hot take! Hot take! It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Or hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's good take, hot take on Spain and Fitz. Can we revise hot and heavy? I don't like that terminology that you just used. Can we just say they're coming fast and furious or we had so many we couldn't just do it Monday. We had to do a good take, hot take Tuesday, but hot and heavy. I don't know. I kind of liked hot and heavy. It made I me guess feel Michael like Irvin's some, takes yeah. today were hot and heavy because it was sweating all over the place. But. Yeah. If, I, if we can get hot and heavy and heavy petting both into the no, show somewhere, I, I feel like everything's going to be good. All right. I prefer uh, canoodling. <laughs> Canoodling. Oh, we've Did you gone say canoodling? Full... No, canoodling. Okay, uh, yeah, but, right. it but just... canoodling should be a word. I mean, that's when the canoodling goes a little bit farther than expected. Wow. All right. Well, I feel like <laughs> seventh grade is coming back to me now. All right. Max Kellerman, uh, host of Some Guy, Jay Will, and Max, uh, had this to say about Lamar Jackson. Told everyone the baseball season, like Aaron Judge in a contract year might hit 60. Everyone told me I was crazy. He's already hit 60. I warned everyone about not paying Lamar Jackson. I said he's about to pull an Aaron Judge. But you know what that means, guys? It doesn't just mean he's going to go bananas and win the MVP of the Super Bowl, which I think he will. I think he's going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl this year. Guys, I think Lamar, like Aaron Judge, is going for 60 this year. I think he's going for 60 touchdowns overall he's got 10 already he's like the dude is passing like this from the pocket and he's running like this he might have I think he has a good chance at 60 touchdowns this year it's a hot take I love Lamar I think Lamar is gonna do big impressive things this year but his record-breaking 2019 season was only 43 and I don't mean to say only 43 because that is a ton of touchdowns but, you know, it, it was it was a record-breaking season. He set a franchise record for for the the team with with his 36 passing touchdowns. He had the most single-season rushing records for a quarterback in that season. He opened the regular season with the perfect passer rating. Did that twice. Ended up the leading rusher on the NFL's most productive offense. Like he crushed it that season. And you want him to get 60 after we saw what 43 looked like? I just feel like it's a little bit of prisoner in the moment, not because I doubt Lamar could do it, but because there's so many things that happen to a team, whether that's injury, whether that's an offense that sputters, you know, any number of things. That defense that has slipped up a couple times doesn't doesn't give you enough time to rest and you're on the field too long and you're tired. Like, 60 seems like too many. We are three weeks into the most unpredictable <laughs> NFL season we've ever seen where nothing is what we thought it would be. And not only did Max just put the Ravens in the Super Bowl – he gave Lamar the MVP of the Super Bowl, <laughs> and then he gave him 60 touchdowns. This is hot take on hot take on hot take. I mean, the Bills would like to have a word, loss or not. 
about the anointing of a Super Bowl. And how many times, three weeks into the season, have we decided that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Super Bowl MVP that sets a bunch of records? Mm-hmm. Like, winning the Super Bowl and getting to 60, like, the amount of things that would have to break your way to make that happen just feels I like I feel like I'm the reverse Max, where he's like, here's all the amazing things I predicted that ended up happening. They went as big as I suggested. I'm the opposite. When everyone was going crazy about Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, hey, everybody, I, I don't think that this is going to be 10 straight Super Bowls. I don't think he's going to win MVP every year for the next five years. Like, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but things happen. Remember, even the Warriors uh, president himself was like, things change. Like, the idea that we're having a conversation about us ruining basketball because we'll never lose again. And he was right. Mm-hmm. They did win again, but it took a while. Let's get to the next take. This one comes from Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider on The Morning Show. If you get the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs from from what they were last year, you're going to get Coach of the Year votes. I mean, that, that, that's it's that simple. And they look great. I mean, I, I right now you would favor them to win that division based on what we've seen so far, based on the way the rosters are set up, based on the way the Colts have played, uh, based on how short the that's Titans look in so many spots. Like, and if they do that, if the Jaguars win their division, I think the Coach of the Year is a kind of a runaway. I'll keep it quick. It's a good take unless they win the division with seven wins, in which case he won't win coach of the year. It'll still be impressive, a turnaround. But they got to be good and win the division. Yeah, it's also – I think it's a good take. Uh, But I do think uh, Sirianni and Philly would like to have a little word about that, Mm -hmm. you know, because certainly three weeks in, they're they're hitting their expectations too. Greeny, Mike Greenberg, on his show, Greeny, have plenty to say about the Giants and the failings of Daniel Jones. Look what the Giants have done around Daniel Jones. I cannot for one moment sit here and tell you Daniel Jones was born to be, was destined to be an all-time great quarterback. But what I can tell you is that no one could have succeeded under the circumstances he has been placed in. Mm. He set that up by talking about organizational successes in places where they have developed, whether that's Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. But or even, I guess, Mike McDaniel, we should be looking at, too, in terms of coach of the year and developing a quarterback. But I think it's a good take. I think it's. Like we said earlier, Daniel Jones maybe isn't going to be the greatest ever, but it's hard to tell if he's worth anything with the way that they've set him up. We live in a world, it's a good take, by the way. We live in the world where uh, people want to turn failures of players into players that simply failed instead of looking at the organizations around them and asking the Mm -hmm. question of, in this relationship, it takes two to fail. I think the organization has failed Daniel Jones, and we have no idea what he could have been if he had been in a place that would, would have treated his regime the same way that Jalen Hurts in Philly has been treated. Uh, We'll get the thoughts on this and everything happening in the NFL from the great Bill Barnwell going to join us next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. 